So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start, and we're, we're gonna have like this conversation. I feel like all of your all of your podcasts start with "I'm just gonna start." Do they? <laughs> so you've been listening? I did. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll change it up then. No. Welcome to I Know the Owner, a podcast where. Bar people talk bar stuff. I'm Charlene Wellington. I'm your host and the owner. And I'm here with my dear friend, Allegra Riggio. I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> Look at us. It's so good to in see the world. you. In, in person, For, face to face. You and said it's been 10 years since we've seen each other. It might have been. Which is it might have been 10 years. Utter bullshit. Pandemic it's, it's, or no pandemic. Yeah, we you're right. It is bullshit. Again. Or else I'll see um, you when I'm 56 next time. I mean, I'm not that far. I'm, I'm not that <laughs> close, but I'm not that far from that. Um, yes. And you're in New York a lot. Well, I so was. no... In the before times. In the before times. Yes. I was just, uh, I was just saying that I haven't been here in two years, and I told my husband, what the hell do we pay for an apartment? For, yeah, with all of these lovely things in it, if we're not going to see it at all, yeah. So we have to work. You on have that. to work on that. You yeah. have to spend more time in New York. Yes, and in Brooklyn, so I can come and see you at this fabulous place called Minis that you're the owner of. I know. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. How many bars and, do you have now, or cafes? Um, what do you want to call them? Um, I mean, three. That's amazing. <laughs> you're a mogul. I'm a mogul. I'm that's incredible. I, I, I love how it already became you interviewing me, but that's fine. I can't fine. help it. That's fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I need to like get closer to the mic. Okay. Um, and I don't know. I know that you worked in clubs mm -hmm. and that you did lights, but mm -hmm. I don't know this about you. I only like peripherally know it. So I'm really excited to learn about your background. Your background. Boy, do I know the owner is Charlene. <laughs> My husband says that. He's never met anybody that knows more people everywhere than I do. And it's yeah. because of nightlife. So I started out being a club kid mm -hmm. in South Florida in okay. the early 90s. And nice. then because I was 18, I was yes. adorable. I mean, you're still adorable. Thanks, but. man. But like, <laughs> when, when I was in South Beach back in the day, it was such a small town, mm -hmm. unlike the monstrous like disaster yeah. that it is now. So within five minutes, you know everybody. Yeah. And in my case... Uh, people looked out for me mm -hmm. rather than doing what they did to some of the other girls, which was chew them up and spit them out, which yes. was terrible. But how, how do you think you got them to do that? I don't know. I mean, it's not like I was cuter than the models or anything. I don't, um, <laughs> you probably just, already had a badass attitude. Well, there was a guy named Jimmy Franzo who mm -hmm. is still a great friend of mine. He's like a big brother to me. And he just saw me and he just adopted me basically as they, she's my little sister. Uh -huh. Don't come at her with any fuckery. You have to go through me. Okay. And he's like this giant muscle-bound, gorgeous man that jumped out of one of my comic books, basically. Okay. And he's just, I guess, under his watchful eye, people mm -hmm. didn't mess with me. And then he was like the most popular man in town because he was opening a bar, nightclub, called Velvet. So he was the okay. first owner, I guess, of nightlife that I really. So he was knew your as a first. Friend. I know the owner. Yes, and he gave me my <laughs> first job in nightlife, which was go-go dancing. Okay. My mother did not know the difference between go-go and stripping, so yeah, she thought yeah. I was a stripper, which was bad. Luckily, but, my mother didn't either, and I told her I was a go-go dancer. <laughs> but so it was. No, she knows I was a stripper. We would do three sets a night. Uh huh. And even though I was eighteen. Uh, the owners would all say, look, as long as you don't drink, you can come in. Yeah. And I wasn't interested in drinking. I just wanted to dance all night and mm -hmm. get paid for it, which I, I yeah. danced anyway. Yeah. So, Where you want to... You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was three sets a night, 
uh, $75 cash per set. So That's I had money. amazing yeah. for an 18-year-old. I know. Yeah. And so it just sort of went from there. I became friends with, of course, Jimmy. And then mm-hmm. the other owners were Greg and Nicole uh-huh. Breyer, who I'm still great friends with, who own uh, The Good Room in Greenpoint. I don't know it. And they opened up a boutique hotel upstate called Glen Falls House. Like, these are people I've just known my yeah. whole life. So they changed the course of my life by dragging me into nightlife. Uh-huh. Which derailed my, you know, political ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> you had political ambitions. I did. I wanted okay. to go uh, to college, be a lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, get into politics and be president. Like, all good little girls. Yeah, yeah. At the time, of course. Yeah. You know, stay in, stay in school, um, kids. We should mention that Allegra's <laughs> friend, Rachel, is here. That's right. And she is our own little cheering section. Uh, so. it's, a, it's a live podcast. It's we live. Have a, yes. Live Recorded you know? live. Yes. We're in front of a, a live audience. Mm-hmm. So then, let's see. It started there, and I never really got out of nightlife. Uh huh. I mean, you... I went to college. Okay. I ended up studying journalism. And, uh, you know, a combination of that and just staying in nightlife and getting dragged into lighting at some point yeah. by my friend Drew, who was not the owner, but he was a lighting guy at a nightclub in Fort Lauderdale called The Edge. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, like a bunch of happy what? accidents. As a 46-year-old woman, I can look back on my <laughs> life and think... All of these happy accidents led me into a really happy, that's great, artistic, well-traveled mm-hmm. life filled with rich characters. <laughs> you introduced me to some vagabonds and, and freaks. They were amazing, the and best. I'm so happy that I met them. Oh yeah. So, what is lighting? Tell me, like, <laughs> yeah, because I know that I, I'm like, oh yeah, Allegra does lighting. Yes. Um, but it's, it's what? Hard. What does that mean? Imagine you go to a concert uh-huh. and you see the band on stage. Yes. And there are these lights that are all around. Yes. Them. It's that. Okay. And so if you, you go are... into a dance floor and you see a mirror ball and there's lights pointed yes. at it, it's that. So that's really technical. It is, actually. So do you have to climb on ladders and hook things up? The first thing I did was climb on ladders. Okay. My friend Drew, when he uh, brought me into the lighting game, he taught me the three rules of lighting. Okay. And made up a fourth one for me on the spot. Uh-huh. And the fourth one was never ask for help because if you need help, they'll find somebody who doesn't need help. So Ooh, the, I, I remember good, the, I like that. the ladder was like 20 feet tall uh-huh. and it was broken and it was made of wood. So it weighed a ton. Uh-huh. And here I am, 21 years old at the time, 105 pounds, mm-hmm. dragging this giant ridiculous ladder around trying to get up in the air and not kill myself and change mm-hmm. the light bulb. And all of the giant security guards who were so nice were like, Allegra, let us help you. I said, no. <laughs> I'm doing it myself. Yeah. So, you know, that's that was like good stuff. when I wanted to work until four in the morning and the owner would be like, well, why should I hire you? Because I'm going to have to hire a bouncer mm-hmm. to protect you. Mm-hmm. I could just hire a male bartender. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, 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 I don't need a bouncer. I beat people up all the time. <laughs> and then I had to put my money where my mouth was and I had to like physically remove people yep. because I had promised that that was what I could do. Well, and so it's I did. It's a good way it. to get your rage out, too. It is. You know. It is. And usually, if I have to throw somebody out, I'm already raging. You know, so. <laughs> in my case, I got hired because I was good. Mm-hmm. And I already knew all of the owners of everywhere. Uh-huh. So I disappeared into uh, the sort of underground scene for a year. And when mm-hmm. I emerged, I had all of this knowledge about lighting. And I went to all of the owners on South Beach who were uh-huh. all great friends of mine. I'm like, if you give me $15,000, I can change your <coughs> restaurant. Okay. And so I started putting lights in people's restaurants. And so, I'm, I mean, am I completely responsible for that horrible phenomenon? Mm-hmm. No. But <laughs> a little bit 
Yes. Okay. So, you know, I, I, tra I transformed small lounges in, with lighting into something that looked like a giant nightclub. Okay. And everybody knew me. They're like, yeah, sure. Like, right here's $25,000. Like, great. <laughs> and so I just put lights everywhere mm -hmm. and built my empire in Miami that way. And it certainly helped knowing the owners of everything. Yeah. The best. Like, Eric Milan and his, his brothers, who I used to call the French Mafia. They're not okay. Mafia. But there's just, they're a gorgeous family of brothers. And they all owned, like, little lounges and restaurants all over South Beach. Mm -hmm. So I went to Eric, who I used to have lunch with or dinner with every Wednesday just for fun. And I was like, if you give me $15,000, I will transform your restaurant, which was called The Strand at the time, I mm -hmm. believe, into a nightclub. And so it was like, all right, here. And then he changed the name to The Living Room. And it became okay. this great place where all of the Euro trashy people would uh -huh. dance on tables and spray champagne all over each other. And it was great. Uh -huh. I remember getting up on a ladder with a long, like, sort of flowery dress on. Uh -huh. And Eric and this DJ named Cedric Gervais were just glaring at me. I'm like, what are you glaring at? They're like... Well, it's just we never see a girl in such a long, beautiful dress fixing something. On, what? <laughs> on and the so ceiling. <laughs> I guess of, of the rich characters, I might have been one of those rich characters in Miami back in the day. Probably. Like, you know, when you have friends like that, they're friends of yours for life, as you know. Yeah. And they've, like, everybody's just extended their brands internationally. So. Mm -hmm. So then you had to travel. Yeah. They're like, you want to go to the Cannes Film Festival and do lights at a couple hours? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? That's amazing. You want to come to the love parade and do lights on my truck? No, but okay. <laughs> you know, that's the point. Is there a bathroom? You know. <laughs> where's the fog? The fog is just going to go into the ether and nobody will be able to see my lights. Like the Allegra <laughs> love parade, you're missing the point. So, and then are you there like at night, like making the lights match the this music? This is what happens. Yeah, it happens in real time. Okay. Mm. So... Back in the old days, the DJ booth used to be right next to the lighting booth. Okay. They were a part of each other. Got it. Whereas then the DJ became the rock star, and now they have to be on a fucking stage, and the rest of us have to be in some tiny corner that's not even facing the right mm -hmm. way. So now you Which can't communicate. Which is dumb. Exactly. So I used to be able to look at the DJ and like anticipate what they were going to do. They'd show me the album, mm -hmm. and we'd work it out. But you'd still do it in real time. And mm -hmm. each, you, can t you can have like 10 songs that are the exact same song, give it to 10 different DJs to play all in the same order mm -hmm. but it'll always sound different weirdly yeah. it's yeah. some sort of magic thing that happens yeah so with lighting you have to really be uh 100 engaged to become a vessel through which the music goes in and the lights come out in yes real time. this is why when i used to meet people at work if people would come into the booth and you know want to introduce me to somebody i would never remember you if i met you at work yeah because you I'm had like, to concentrate okay. <laughs> you know how did you learn to do that it was I mean, I guess it was a natural aptitude for certain things. Like, I remember going to the edge and sitting behind Drew and watching him work his magic mm -hmm. on this giant board. At, in those days, each lighting fixture had its own controller. So mm -hmm. there were, like, 15 controllers for 15 different, like, strings of lights. Mm -hmm. Now you run it all from a laptop, which is dumb, and it takes all the artistry <laughs> out of it. But, you know. And I, DJs also DJ from a laptop. So. It's so stupid. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it's easier on the back not having to drag those records all over the place. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, I used to play piano and play a lot of arcade games. So uh -huh. my, my hand-eye coordination is quite good. Uh -huh. My ability to retain information is quite good, like where things are and what things do. I was always up all night anyway. Mm -hmm. I was always dancing all night anyway, so I had good natural rhythm. So you're like, mine as well. And watching Drew do it, and you, you would know when he really liked a song because he would start bopping up and down in a uh -huh. different way. It was just like something beautiful to watch, like somebody was playing a musical instrument or something. Mm -hmm. And then 
what happened was he sort of lost his job to me over a pool game. It's okay. a long, long story. But anyway, okay. the, the, the short version of it is, you know, he invited me to the, I, I was out of a job at the time. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, if I win this game, you have to teach me how to run lights. And he was like, if I win this game, I have to ask you five questions. I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But anyway, I beat him <laughs> because I'm very, very good at pool. Okay. And so he was like, great, come to the club on Saturday at 9 p.m. I was like, mm. nobody goes to a nightclub at 9 p.m. Uh-huh. I, I used to roll out of bed at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, in yeah. Like and at 9, like, I would start getting a, in the shower. You know, <laughs> it's a huge room. So mm-hmm. it was a bi-level, like 3,000-person, seething, what we used to call circuit party okay. nightclub back in the day. And uh, so he showed me where every light bulb was, the whole thing, even in the bathrooms and stuff, like something as simple as like that little thing. And he showed me the electrical room, which had these giant ridiculous switches and stuff because it was a huge a lot uh-huh. of power was going through it he explained this giant board that he created to me he told me the three rules of lighting and okay. he made up that fourth one that yes I told you. what are the first three the first one was something gosh i haven't thought about this in a while uh always make it look like what always make it look like what it sounds like meaning okay if it's like a really high energy song uh-huh. don't do like slow, sweeping, dark colors. Okay. And if it's a really emotional, ethereal song, don't do a lot of flashing lights because it won't make sense and people will blame the DJ. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, let them blame the DJ. I don't know. <laughs> so always make it look like what it sounds like. You control it. It doesn't control you, meaning there's a lot going on. Yeah. If you get confused for a second, just calm down. It will come. If you press the wrong button, it's not like the whole city is going to explode or something like that. Okay. So just like, Unless you're controlling the lights for the whole city. Indeed. <laughs> and then he said, the third one, which is the most important, I think, is darkness is your best friend. Meaning, if you don't know what to do, black it out. Because in a blackout, <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll create energy. It'll create uh-huh. anticipation. And then you figure out what you're going to do and then come out with it. And people will be like, wee! And that sounds the, amazing. It's the greatest... Uh, gift that anybody ever gave me professionally was him to tell me that. Now when I look at concerts and other people's lighting, it's just so... I'm very judgmental about it. It's so obvious. There's too much going on. Mm -hmm. Of course, the color white looks beautiful to every lighting person, Mm -hmm. but if you wield it like a weapon, it's painful to the audience. It's horrible. The last time I saw The Cure in concert, Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe how bright it was. I had to put on my dark glasses. And I'm like, I know that Robert Smith Seems I mean, to allegedly be aging poorly, but you don't have to blind me. <laughs> you know? Yes. And it's painful. And now that I've, everything is an LED bulb, yes. it's like standing on the, on the surface of the sun bright. <laughs> like, it's dangerous. I feel the same way when I go into a bar and it's bright. It's just not And cool. I'm like, why would you keep the lights up so high? The, I feel very seen which is what I don't want to feel. On I a dance feel floor. Like, like, you can't see me. If there's no darkness, people won't dance. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, these days, if you go into a nightclub, nobody's dancing anyway because it's all an Instagram opportunity. It's ridiculous. Oh, and it's heartbreaking sucks. to an old-timer like me. I haven't been to a nightclub in a very long time. You are not missing anything. Yeah. Trust me. It makes me, me so sad you know. because I always wondered, like, the minute you walk into a club, you are compelled to dance. I mean, from my experience, I haven't been to a club in, you know, 15 years you probably. Know. And then I was wondering why, when I go to a club, am I compelled to dance and I don't care how I look and I feel like I'm, I'm like the hottest dark. woman in the world and blah, blah, blah. And, and then I go to like a bar mitzvah and I'm like, 
oh, wait, I'm doing this wrong. You know? <laughs> like, well, it why is that? It doesn't help that uh, after 9-11... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of nightlife was sort of destroyed by yes. all of a sudden the travel bans and yes, how difficult yes. it was to, you know, get records through and stuff. And, and that's when I think, this is what I call it, it okay. was the rise of the bar mitzvah DJ in nightlife. Ah. Because people used to have these, like, epic, giant, big club nights where it was, like, 14 hours of the same yes. DJ taking you on a real journey. Mm-hmm. As if they're, like, you're reading a book. They're taking you on a journey with their music. Mm-hmm. After 9-11, nobody had the emotional aptitude to focus that much. Yeah. I go on an emotional sense. journey at all. So next thing you know, as I call it, the bar mitzvah DJ <laughs> rises. Because you know when you go to a bar mitzvah, it's what we call mixed format music. Mm-hmm. It's all pop. It's stuff that yes. you recognize and yes. you feel comfortable with. And that's when a lot of things changed. No offense to bar mitzvah DJs out there. I mean, you know, bar mitzvahs format. need DJs, but... Yeah. You remember that. Like in the early 2000s, all of a sudden everybody's playing 50s music. Yeah. And... Oh, are you kidding? I used to fly up from Miami to do lights at Twilo for Sasha and Digweed and Paul Van Dyke, mm-hmm. and that shit would go all the way through to the next day if Giuliani's police didn't come and like oh, man. You know, stomp on everybody with yes. the stormtroopers. Yes, I was. I was talking to somebody the other day, and most people who've been in this business in New York basically remember like. Like, almost as if it was, like, Gestapo came in and changed oh, everything. Oh, girl. I was like, at Twilo like, one night, and Giuliani <laughs> sent in his fucking stormtroopers, and they made me put all of the lights on, shoved everybody up against the wall, mm-hmm. and you've never seen more drugs on a floor and in, in empty water bottles in your life. I was That's like, crazy. ooh. Ooh. Fuck Giuliani. Fuck I'm just going to put it out there. We, Fuck Giuliani. And yeah. New Yorkers always knew. Well, you know what <laughs> happened? always knew. This bitch did a good job for a while. Mm-hmm. He cleaned up uh, Times Square, I remember. Sure. He got rid of all the smut peddlers and stuff. Sure. Okay, fine. I guess. He put a cup car on every corner. All of a sudden, you could walk around alone at night. Okay. Yeah. But you know where he shot himself in the foot? Where? When he started picking on the hot dog vendors. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. He, that was too far. All of a sudden, yes. every New Yorker was like, how dare you pick on yeah. the hot dog vendors? No, no, no. The damn thing. Oh. <laughs> We were, oh, the cabaret yes, laws. The cabaret laws. That the cabaret was some bullshit. Laws. I was, it's so funny. I was talking to somebody. Was it, it was two days ago. I was talking to somebody on the podcast about the ca- cabaret laws. Arcane and I, cabaret and I, law. They were arcane. They were, they were still on the books from like the 1890s or whenever it was. I thought it was. it was prohibition. It was no, when, it was, yeah, it wasn't um, the 1890s. The, the races was, started intermingling. Yes. And they exactly. had to stomp that off. They, they tried to do that with the Rave Act, too, in the late 90s. Oh. Yeah, that wasn't about drugs yes. or the war on drugs. Yes, that was about not. keeping people from mixing, talking to each other, sharing I ideas mean, it's and being all happy. about putting brown people in prison. You know what? <laughs> and as a brown person, I'm one of the only people I know that hasn't gone to prison. <laughs> I'm glad you've never gone to prison. No. Um, I mean, I did get caught stealing a lipstick once at a Rite Aid, but that was just stupid. And see, I stole so many lipsticks <laughs> and never got caught. Damn it. Um and we used to we used to have you raves because they were watching me because I'm were a watching brown you. person. I mean, I brought a brown person with me, ah, like as a decoy. As a, yeah, as a decoy. I was like, I'm gonna get all the lipstick, and, we're, and then we're gonna share it. Um, we used to we used to have these raves. Oh gosh, it was like '90 if it was anything, or like '91, mm-hmm. and. Um, they were in Brooklyn. They were under the Belt Parkway, mm-hmm. like near the beach, and the cops would come 
and they wouldn't find any alcohol. And there was a DJ who had a generator. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we can't arrest anybody. They're not breaking any laws. <laughs> Whoops. And we got to make up a amazing. law that they're breaking. It was amazing. And they didn't know what ecstasy was yet. Uh-huh. So they're like, wow, they're just all these teenagers out having a good time and dancing. It was it was kind What's of What's wrong with their mouth, Larry? Was, yeah, I don't I know. know Frank. Why are they yeah, why are they chewing their faces? It, they must be they must be <laughs> chewing gum, Frank. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Why are they wearing sunglasses at night? <laughs> Bob. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it was it that lasted about six months, but it was kind of hilarious. Yeah. No, I just I, I, I think about the times that I had at raves in Miami and New York mm-hmm. and you know, England, and I just am like, I can't believe I'm still alive. Yeah, I there's a whole can't alternate universe alive. where many times something stupid happens. Yes, me. yes, <laughs> yes. Anyway, <laughs> we one of these one of these they they caught on pretty quickly, and one of these raves. Um, <laughs> Sorry, she forgot how to use the door. I mean, that door is confusing. One of these raves got broken up by the cops, and we were under the Belt Parkway, so the only way to really get there is by car, and everybody left in cars. And I was in my friend's car, and we got pulled over, and the, the cop was like, do you have any idea how fast you were going? And my friend who was driving was like, no, no, sir. I, I What was it, like 60, 65? The cop said, 11. <laughs> 11 no this was we were we were escaping a, a rave and my friend got pulled over my incidents have been mostly fascism free except well, for this good. one time <laughs> no wait let's see let's was, see do you remember the movie blade but with Wesley Snipes. I know that it exists. The I don't first know that I've seen Marvel it. movie, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So good. So we had the Blade premiere uh, uh-huh. in Miami at my nightclub, Shadow Lounge, back in the late 90s. And it was the first time that we got cleared out by the cops because somebody called in a bomb threat. Wow. And I was, it was packed. And I was trying to get everybody out because I had the microphone. I would host these things and stuff mm-hmm. and do lights. And nobody was leaving. And so I was trying to like, get everybody out without saying there's been a bomb threat. And eventually I got so tired of trying to get people to leave. I had the lights up. We turned the music off and everything. I just screamed at people on the microphone. And I'm like, if you don't start filing out in an orderly manner, I know that the security guards are cute, but they're about to get ugly. <laughs> and then they went. It was very funny. There was no bomb, but I mean, who does stupid shit like that? Like, people are so... Boring. Call a bomb anyway, threat into a club. Know. At least call it into a school. Give people the half day off. You know, it's so <laughs> gross, <laughs> man. People are having fun. I've spent, I blessedly, my husband and I were able to be out of the country for, I would say, eight and a half months this mm-hmm. year. And watching the American news through the lens of mm-hmm. European media yeah. has me like, yeah, I want to get out of this country. Yeah. I want to move somewhere I, small with no guns. <laughs> That sounds like the dream. Mm-hmm. I think I think New York, um, I think I think being here, I mean it was definitely scary. Mm-hmm. And um we got hit hard and we got hit first. And um I think that um it looked scarier. No. <laughs> no, it was scary. It was damn scary. It was scary. No, it was scary because we I mean there were ambulances 
uh, all night man. long, and there were refrigerator trucks. I heard about that. Yeah. We saw the yeah. film of the Potter's Fields, you know, oh, being dug in the yeah, unmarked I boxes. I did not just see like, that. Gnarly, man. I yeah. had to stop watching the news. Yes. But, you know, my friends who were all in arts and entertainment, it was decimating for arts, entertainment, yeah. hospitality. Yeah. I'm stunned by how few of my friends actually had to go under with their bars and nightclubs and things. Well, Florida it was nuts. Nobody closed in Florida. It was. I was like, what is the wrong? I was, <laughs> <laughs> it was so crazy. We went, we went, you know, to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. I met. I met some lovely people right. while I was there, and we were fully vaccinated because we were food and beverage people, so we were, like, one of the first people to get vaccinated. So we went to Miami to celebrate that we were vaccinated, and we were like, we need a break because working was very tough mm -hmm. this year. And so I had this image of it being, like, slightly less restrictive than New York was, mm -hmm. and it was a free-for-all. It was pandemonium. It was crazy. And then we stayed in Airbnb, we met some of your lovely friends mm. who were all like their restaurant was like you walk in with your mask on and you take it off when you sit down, which is what I thought mm -hmm. it was going to be everywhere else. Mm -mm. And then we went to South Beach and we went to a restaurant and our waiter shook our hands after we were done eating. <laughs> it was like because both of our hands. He was like, thank you so much. And he shook my hand and he shook Stuart's hand. And I was like, I never shake a waiter's hand, and especially during a pandemic. Why was he you? doing it because you were those nice people who would put the mask on if you weren't eating or drinking at the time? Or No, he had his mask on his chin. I hate the chin, <laughs> the, the chin hammock. Oh. You know what? People who have it under their nose or under their chin, it's like the new picking your nose in public as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> don't fucking do it. Don't make me look at that. I don't want to see it. <laughs> do you remember in the 90s when, you know, uh, people had extremely baggy pants? Yeah, like Everybody did. It wasn't just, sure. you know, everybody had the Jankos on. <laughs> when I would see those, because I wore them too, but when uh -huh. I would see them, I would often pants people. Yes. And when I see people with the saggy mask, I just want to take it like something from Bugs Bunny uh -huh. and pull it way far away from their face. And, and then snap, snap it back. Snap right back <laughs> in their face. <laughs> I don't want to Do it or don't. Uh, you know, pick a side. Uh, I mean, come on. Really? It looks like a muzzle when they do that. Just wear a muzzle. So, so. I know a lady who can hook you up with some of those. So. The Baroness, she's currently located on uh, 13th between A and B. Awesome. She's still there, but she's moving to France soon. How did so. she get through the pandemic? Uh, with latex. Yes. Everywhere. She's a latex designer. Oh. I used to do lights for her black and blue ball. Every year at Capital. Awesome. Oh yeah. The black and blue ball was great. I have to see her before she closed her shop though. <laughs> so, so how I know the owner. Her yeah. name's the Baroness. I I mean and she's a she's a fetish. I gotta get designer. her on my podcast. She's amazing. Um I'm gonna have to ask you for so many more introductions <laughs> after this. Um so how, when did you stop doing lights? How long did you do it? Actively? Let's see. I did it from ninety six. Mm-hmm. To pretty solid for about 20 years, 96, wow. 2006, 2016, pretty solid. I took a couple years off when uh, I built this nightclub in L.A. whose name I shall not say. Okay. Because as far as I'm later. concerned, they were so horrible, I'll see them all in hell. <laughs> but <laughs> after I left that place, which the lighting was amazing. Uh-huh. Um, 
but the Sometimes clown the show. Sometimes the lighting's not like enough. <laughs> um, after that, I took a break. I was like, I need a break. I have had enough of this bonkers bullshit. And the, the, the scene had been changing where the mm-hmm. audience was terrible, the music was horrible, mm-hmm. and the owners were not respectful. And I'm not used to people not respecting me in my industry, especially people who I know yeah. from before, but this guy was a schmuck then and he's a schmuck now and as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> if he gets hit by a bus and lives, fine. <laughs> but wow, not even get hit by that, a bus and die. No, like, that's You should the get thing. hit by a bus and live. I want live. you to get hit by a bus that's maybe. worse. And then, so after that I took a break and then um, there's a DJ named David Guetta. Mm-hmm. His, uh, his tour manager, Alan, um, was friends of mine. He was like, you want to come to Vegas and do lights for David? And so I came out of retirement and uh-huh. the industry was like, where have you been? You're doing lights for David? And I'm like, why wouldn't I do lights for David? Wait, who's David? David Guetta. Okay. He's a big, big DJ. Okay. And he's sort I don't of a know pop big star DJs. now. Okay. At the time he was like top three in the I'm world. I'm going to Google that. But he's, you know that song Titanium by Sia? She features on it. Uh, of course. I know That's all David. popular music. Yeah. <laughs> That's David. So, uh, you know where you met me, right? There was no popular music there. Huge star. <laughs> and so everybody's like, wow, Liquor's doing lights for David Gavin. I'm like, what, why did you forget about me? Because mm-hmm. I, will, I will come out of retirement to work with one of the biggest DJs in the world. Yeah, of course. I'm not going to come out of retirement to work at some dog and pony show. Yeah. With a horrible audience and horrible owners that are going to make me hate what I love to do. Yeah. I cannot do what I love to do if there's any sort of gnarly negativity at all. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it dims my light, shall we say. <laughs> like, imagine I'm a Care Bear. <laughs> and my, yeah. And this, like, rainbow comes out of my chest when yeah, I, yeah. When I listen to I music. Think... It's like that, you know. So then you would be all of the Care Bears. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm together the they Care make Bears. a rainbow. Well, that's the funny thing. <laughs> like, you know, speaking, like, I, I read comic books as a kid. Mm-hmm. And... You know, you see everybody with these, like, sort of beams coming out of their hands uh-huh. and sort of power. It's like oh. that. Yeah, oh, that makes that? sense. So. Oh, I There's the a Earth. bunch. Earthling. I no. I don't know what that is. No. So you, wait, so you, came, out of, you came out of retirement and you did lights in Vegas. For that Vegas. summer, yeah. And at the, the at the biggest nightclub in, well, the biggest nightclub, the most money-making nightclub in the world at the time was called Excess, and it was at the Wynn. So it was okay. a big, big deal. Okay. And, uh... Jared, who was my boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. which is such a silly word for Jared because he's a man. Yeah, yeah. You can't call him man friend. No, it, there but should be a, a better word. I, I called him uh, the man that I love rather than boyfriend, but to be fair, he was my boyfriend at the time. Uh-huh. And so he would come and watch me do lights there, and all the other guys, because there's like a laser guy and an LED uh-huh. guy, they'd be like, that's your boyfriend? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't he that guy? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, that's your boyfriend? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's that, you know, Mr. Deeds? I'm like, yeah. It's my boyfriend. It was very funny. I, I love that um, when I met Jared, he would come to that nightclub in uh-huh. L.A. and watch me do lights. He How did you meet Jared? I met Jared through a mutual friend of ours who's a comic um, mm-hmm. from New York, and he came out to do uh, his show in L.A., mm-hmm. and I was at the tail end of a disastrous relationship that I had moved out there for. Uh-huh. Never gave up my New York apartment. I know. Smart. Um, uh, and I, I saw that he was coming out, and I'm like, well, I need to laugh. And mm-hmm. I'll laugh if I see him. So mm-hmm. Jared got the same newsletter and was like, I need to laugh. I'll laugh if I see him. Okay. So we both went to this comedy thing, and um, our mutual friend introduced everybody that came to support him after. Mm-hmm. And we all had drinks and had a little dance, actually, because there was, like, music. And then went home. The next day, I went back to a different comedy show to see my friend, and Jared was there. 
And so my girlfriend was like, hey, it's that dude from last night. We should invite uh -huh. him to sit at our table. I'm like, oh, yeah, he was cool. And so we, we were chatting there, and he was going through a horrendous uh, divorce. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd never seen a man so sad. And, you know, I like to, tr like, I was sad, too, because I was the beginning of the end of this like, relationship. And we were, you know, I realized at the end of the, the day that, you know, like, I'm the type of person who, if I'm sad, I want to do something nice for someone else. Because It'll cheer you up. It cheers me up. Yeah. So we exchanged information. And then I would text him, like, once a month to make sure he was okay. Uh-huh. It wasn't an immediate love connection or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And then six months later, I was out of the relationship. And I needed to go to karaoke and scream my rage out, as uh -huh. you've witnessed. Yes. Because Charlene knows I'm not a singer. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not a singer either. You can sing. What? <laughs> I am more of a performance artist. I I thought I was more of a performance yeah. artist. So I, I texted a bunch of people uh -huh. that I needed to get some rage out. And Jared was like, I'll go to karaoke with you. And I'm like, great. So we oh, went wow. to karaoke and we had an epic evening. Like I slapped some guy for being a punk ass bitch. And was then, that it? At, in uh, L.A. Okay. Yeah. It was a long epic night of hilarity. And uh, Jared asked me out a couple weeks later. Uh -huh. Apparently me assaulting a complete asshole did not turn him off. That. That's that's a keeper. And 13 <laughs> years later, Charlene. That's amazing. Here we are. <laughs> karaoke mm -hmm. makes another uh, connection. Do you miss karaoke? I do miss karaoke. You mean the live band stuff or yes. just the regular stuff? No, I mean the regular stuff I do. We have karaoke here at Minnie's every Saturday night. Saturday um, night. <laughs> Kings of karaoke. Um, yes. Oh, wow, you found our poster. I'm um, I do miss live karaoke. It was really fun. Those and guys were the we greatest. What made a lot of friends. There? Yes. Um, yes. What happened there? I don't know. Um, they just, I mean, I feel like everybody got older and got families. I and think that when they... Well, Devin had a kid. Yeah. Already. Uh, yeah. Dave married Lauren. That was the thing for a minute, remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, They're not still together. No, no, that was very sad. But I guess playing the same 200 songs over and over again might get old after I mean, years. it seems like a lot of work, right? Like... They had to play all those songs. They played well. Too. They played really well. Devin is incredible. And they're all I mean, great. They're all Devin's great. Incredible. Yes. And and so I feel like I should say what we're talking about. So Allegra <laughs> and I met at live band karaoke, punk metal karaoke that was originally at Arlene's Grocery yeah. and then it moved a couple uh, of times. A couple of times ended and up ended up at Eldridge. Was it the Eldridge it or called? Continental? Continental and then the Eldridge. Yes. And, and there were many iterations Fontana's, of it. That's right, that's right. Oh, Fontina. Yes, Fontina's. Fontana's on Eldridge. Fontana's on Eldridge. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Fontana's Got it. on Eldridge. And I said Fontina's because I'm thinking about a sandwich. Let's eat. And, <laughs> and um, there were many iterations of live karaoke, but the one that we went to was the original. And the band was amazing, and they would only do punk or metal songs. So and then eventually, they adopted a few punk songs. Not punk, I'm sorry. A few pop songs. Mm -hmm. And they played them as if they were punk or metal. That's right. And you would get up and you would sing, and you would have sheet music. Mm -hmm. um, not sheet music, I'm sorry. It would, you would be have bad the lyrics. with lyrics too small. You'd have, the, yeah, the lyrics on a piece of paper. And um, you, would, you would look at... Um, Rob. Rob, who would count you off? Who would count? Yes, he would count for you if you knew. If you were like in the know, mm -hmm. you knew he would help you. But if you were new, then you just like figured it out. It and, was. Uh, I've never in my life seen anything like that. You know what's messed up? Mm -hmm. So I meet Jared, right? 
he used to live in this in the east, in the East Village. Okay. Uh, it turns out our backstory: we danced around each other a lot, and he used to go to punk rock heavy metal. Shut up! So much so that his younger brother Jamie, when Jamie turned forty, he rented the band for his birthday party. Wow! Yeah. So at my <laughs> at my bachelorette party in uh-huh. Miami, I flew the band down, mm-hmm. and we took over. We had two party buses. Uh huh. Thirty girls in all white, twenty guys. Uh, and we just, I, I called everybody in my, I called all of the owners in Miami. I'm like, listen, you <laughs> bitches, I'm calling in every single favor. I might show up at your venue with two party buses filled mm-hmm. with people you would probably never let in if it wasn't for me. <laughs> Nobody waits in line. Everybody drinks champagne for free. We will have one glass and we will get out of your hair. But I'm taking these people around. I had everybody in Miami terrified that we were going to show up. And we did. And then at the end, we ended up at this bar called Tobacco Road, which is now fucking luxury condos, whatever. But it was the uh, oldest bar in Miami uh-huh. and with the punk rock heavy metal karaoke band and just pandemonium. Meanwhile, nobody even bought me one drink. Jared was had like two drinks at all times. I'm like, what the? This is my bachelorette party. Well, I mean, you brought the groom to your bachelorette party. That's that's well, mistake. He's my best friend. He could not. Be <laughs> um, it was hysterical. <laughs> and the, you know, the guys were really. I think it was one of their last gigs. Yeah, I'm so sorry I missed it. I was in the middle of building. Uh, bar and couldn't get away. I remember. I remember yeah. it. I remember oh, it. Oh, it was funny because I'm I was, sad that I missed it. I was with some of our mutual friends from karaoke the other day, and we, they were talking. They were like, Can you believe we were all in Miami for Allegra's wedding? They were, I'm like, Can you believe that was almost eight years ago? They were wow. like, Jesus Christ, no, that so was hilarious. Sad. I'm so glad we went. I'm like, It was the funniest day of my life. <laughs> I've never, I, in my life, because everybody in Miami was like, She's getting married. What can we do? And it, was, it was so great. That, that's another thing. I the whole I know the owner thing has mm-hmm. really shaped the course of my life. Yeah. So we're, we decided to get married, right? Yeah. We decided to do it in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. I made ten phone calls, and like ninety percent of it was planned. That's amazing. I called my friend Carmel, who owned a, a nightclub called The Vagabond at the time. I said, "Can uh-huh. I use your uh, liquor license to buy champagne at cost?" And he was like, "Sure." And I'm like, <laughs> "You know, you know the boat that you throw winter music conference parties on?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, can you get me in with the, the, the boat people so I can get a friends and family discount? He's like, sure. That's amazing. I called my friend Mark Leventhal, who's the greatest DJ in Miami. Uh-huh. And he was like, you're finally getting married. <laughs> Fantastic. And he played. It was hysterical. My favorite, uh, one of my favorite um, drag queens was, uh, you know, performed. Who's um, that? Uh, Adora. She's fabulous. Uh-huh. And uh, my friend Brendan O'Hara, who is a local troubadour, he sang. Uh-huh. And um, my girlfriend from high school fronts a small big band, so they played the first two hours. A small big band. Yeah, it's like 16 <laughs> pieces or something. Okay. So it's like all jazz for the first two hours. And then just pandemonium erupted when Mark played. The guy who got me into lighting, Drew, did my lights. Okay. Just, just, so you had to have good lights at your own wedding. It's hysterical. <laughs> I ran lights at my own wedding a little bit. And then the guy who was his grip or whatever was like, who are you? I'm like, look at me. I'm dressed like the bride. Get out. I'm running lights at my own wedding. Fuck off. Anyway, what do I look like? So what are you doing now? I mean, I know it's COVID. I mean. What were you doing before COVID? Well, my husband is an actor. Yes. And he's been very busy, thankfully. Mm Yeah. And even though, uh, even though <laughs> it's kind of wood, you know, arts and culture really was stopped. Yeah, COVID. Jared had three projects lined up, and blessedly, those producers were able to figure out a way to safely move forward, even mm-hmm. though everything was delayed. So we got back to work after sitting at home staring at our plant children. 
with our, with our <laughs> local friendly neighborhood murder cat. Yes. We got out and it was miraculous. And so we are continuing to move forward with Team Harris, as I call mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I'm not doing lights, but I've reapplied all of the skills into running like Jared Harris Incorporated behind the scenes. Okay. Wifing for Jared is a full time job. <laughs> It's not housewifing, but it's definitely no, of course wifing. It's not. <laughs> there's a lot, you know, like there's fan outreach and making sure he's happy and healthy and has all the foods that he likes, keeping him clean, making sure it's keeping you know, him clean, <laughs> making sure like it, it, it's a lot because yeah, you know yeah, yeah. He, he's so intense with his work, he needs to be able to focus on it. Uh huh. So you know, like travel plans and family outreach and you know this, that, the other, keeping in touch with his people to make sure that everything is mm-hmm. going well. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And you know. We have our own corporation, so we don't talk about it as him and his work. We always talk about it as we're going to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, yeah. I mean, he's alive, he's working, and that means I'm doing a good job. <laughs> and I know his fans appreciate it. Yeah. So, because, you know, he's really, really doing very, very, very good work. In a sea of bullshit, Jared is pulling out <laughs> some really, really thought provoking, smart, work our friend elliot can't stop talking about his richard the third jared's he was it richard the third <laughs> wait it was a, he was it on was stage? a live yeah it was a live performance it must have been a while it was, ago. yeah it was a long time ago it was a long time ago <laughs> he's a nice guy even if you don't know his work you know that if i married him he can't be a, he, he cannot can't be, be a complete can't be terrible because no. I never cared about getting married. I never thought about it. These last couple of weeks, he's just been at our friend Dahlia's house helping her get her apartment ready to sell. So he's been painting and sanding he's been and lifting painting? heavy things. I don't even paint. Adorable. I hire people. Yeah, he's a salt-of-the-earth guy. He's all right. We'll keep him. Yeah. But yeah, I never thought about it. What, what made you get married? Other than, you know, your... What made me get married? Look, I mean, look at this um, tall drink of <laughs> silver foxiness. Yeah, I had no plans camera. to get married, yeah. actually. Busy. And then, happy. Uh, yeah, busy doing stuff. Like, didn't think it was in the cards. Yeah. And I started dating Stuart. And I had been dating him for about two weeks. And then I had intense ankle surgery. Mm. I don't know if you remember seeing me on crutches a few mm-hmm. times at karaoke. Mm-hmm. I broke my foot and I had ankle surgery and all no, these other I things. Do, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I had this crazy ankle surgery where they basically took cartilage out of my knee and put it in my ankle. And I know. it's look at this it's, ankle. Yeah, that one. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, look at this yeah. scar. And um, I was... It's a very on, handsome scar. Thank you, you. Thank you. I have one on my <laughs> knee, too. And, and I was on crutches for three months. I had been dating Stuart for two weeks, and he came over and visited me at my parents' house in Bensonhurst oh. every day. Aww. And then a week after that, they all took me home to my third floor walk-up. Oh, dear. And... Stuart came and brought me breakfast and coffee every day, Aww. and he carried me up and down the stairs, what? and he wheeled me around the neighborhood in a wheelchair, Stuart. and I was like, I'm going to marry this guy, and then... Or I, I'll hire him as a nurse. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told him that it's time for him to move in <laughs> a few months later. <laughs> a few months. And a few months later, I was like, it's time to move in. Yeah, like... Like what? Four or five months later. And when? How long ago was that? Now? That was 2009. Wow, so, you guys. Yeah. You know what? I moved to LA in 2008. Can you believe it? 
No. And maybe that's why we haven't seen each other in that so long. Pro- that's probably why. Yeah. And karaoke died down. And, you know. Yeah. And then you opened three bars. I did. That was exhausting. Congratulations, <laughs> though. It's amazing. Thank you. Are, are, knowledge. So the <laughs> and then what Yes, there's minis here. Uh, yes, there's yes. there's minis here in Sunset Park, and there's Hinterlands in Kensington, and um, do you know Hinterlands? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and Charlene's in Prospect Heights. Cute. Yeah. I thought we were gonna um, open something in the city. Um, What's I, the point? It's too far. I mean, I don't want to travel to the city every day. No. So, you I know, understand why. If I find younger people to to do all the traveling, maybe. <laughs> um, so. As you know, because you're a listener, I have a segment. Mm-hmm. I have one segment <laughs> called You Won't Believe the Fucking Day I Had, uh-huh. where I read letters that people have written in Ooh. complaining about their days, but I never get any letters. Um, I shouldn't say never. I occasionally get letters. Well, this is letters. how the, the listeners will know. Yes. You can write to Charlene. You can. About You, you Won't can Believe the e- Day I Had. <laughs> yeah. At email. What? At I Know the Owner Podcast at gmail.com. Um, but I'm going to write you I a letter. Oh, awesome. I can't I'm going to read it. I mean, I could sometimes just read your Facebook posts because some oh. of them are really, you won't be- believe the you fucking know, day I had. I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> um, so the intent was for people to come in as if like they were walking into the bar and complaining about their day. Give me a drink. But you won't believe the day exactly. I had. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't often get letters. Mm-hmm. So I read from... Reddit, am I the asshole? <laughs> um, and I read it as if this is a letter somebody I sent. I often say that. Am I so, the asshole? Yeah. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, I mean, actually, they're not. All, it's like 50-50. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't. I try to find stuff that's relevant. I couldn't really find a lot of stuff about clubs. Um, but I usually find stuff that's about bars and restaurants. So, so here we go. Wait, that's... <laughs> Yeah, this is the one. This is the one that I was like, that's crazy. Okay. Okay. So, dear Charlene, am I the asshole for not paying for my date's food after she ditched me? I left her contact info so they can go after her. Well. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to read the whole oh, letter. Okay, you, you don't have okay. to. That's, there's Let, more. Let's hear about this um, But your shocked expression um, was, was amazing. Okay. <laughs> I hooked up with a girl I met at the bar, and we arranged a date for a week later. She suggested some expensive, fancy new restaurant that opened up. I warned her I only had enough for my own meal. She said it was fine. I got a steak that was like $35 and a few drinks. She spent $169 on expensive drinks, desserts, caviar, and other stuff. Atta girl. She (laughs) went to the bathroom and never came back. I saw her through the window get into a car. After about five minutes, I called her, and she didn't pick up. Later, I saw I was blocked on all social media. Oh, dear. I only had $50 on me. I left that and a note explaining what happened and left her business card, all her social media handles, and her personal phone number. The next day, she went apeshit, saying I'm a horrible person, and I'm just salty she's not interested. (laughs) How I'm a weak man who can't pay blah, blah, blah before blocking me. She also blamed me since she got fired, since they contacted her work numbers. A lot of people are saying I took this too far, and I should have just paid. (laughs) He said he didn't have it. (laughs) 
I know. This one, usually they're pretty cut and dry, but this one I feel like both of them kind of suck on different levels. Um, I, feel I think like it's a genius move on his part. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I'm glad that the restaurant followed up. I mean, it's a, yes. bit, it's a bit much that her employer felt the need to fire yeah. her. Yeah. Because I, now she, I she feel can't like afford to pay it back. So, but I she know. needs a job so she can get a dishwashing job to pay off her debt. There you go. Um, I feel like maybe she told him she got fired, and she, but I don't know what she did. Maybe she did get fired. Who knows? Um, but that's a crazy story, right? Well. So, <laughs> so on one hand, I'm like, you go on a date with somebody, and he's like, can we split it? And then you order a bunch of stuff, and you're like, bye-bye. And then you, what, and disappear out a window? Yeah, she, like, left and got in a car. And didn't even decide to... You know, not do it in front of the window where he could see? I don't know. Like, was she... It, it almost feels like she was trying to pay him back. For, like, maybe what, that the was the girl you bullied. Like, maybe that was the girl you bullied in junior high. And, she, and now she got, like, a glam up. Uh, <laughs> well, he said that he met her at a bar back. and they hooked up. Now, I often wonder when people say hooked up if they mean just, like... I don't know. Snogging, as the British would say, or is there, like, more fluid exchange? I feel like it depends on what year you were born. I don't know. It's like when people in Miami say, well, we were partying. And I just think, well, that means you went to a party and you were dancing. But most people think it's like drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit of a disconnect. But I think that, you know, I mean, good for him. He was honest. Yeah. He said, I don't have I don't have it. both of us. She picked the restaurant. So she knew what she wanted. Yeah. I can't imagine. Maybe, I mean... To give her the benefit of the doubt, perhaps he said something at dinner that made her want to just leave. <laughs> Maybe. But if she ordered <laughs> caviar and like that much. Yeah. By the way, I'm sorry. She owed 160 something bucks. What <laughs> kind of caviar service was this? <laughs> because where I've eaten, darling, it's at least that much for the caviar service alone. Much less <laughs> martinis. Mean, this story desserts. rings a little bit untrue to me because he's like, I got a steak and it was $35. Where do you get a steak for $35? Yeah, and then Applebee's? a steak and drinks. Applebee's doesn't have caviar. Apple, Applebee's doesn't have caviar. Hmm. So I, the story might be made up. <laughs> Perhaps it's a writer who's floating an idea for a script and oh, they want to see how maybe. people respond. Because also her bill was $169. How convenient. Huh. Suspect. Um. <laughs> Is that with or without tip? Yeah. So if the steak was thirty-five bucks and he got a drink plus tax and tip, he like he went over his what fifty bucks. Was he bucks. drinking water? 35 bucks. What year is this? It doesn't say. That's all I have. If you go there to a nice restaurant where your steak is thirty-five bucks. I mean, like, what kind of steak is that? Is it and like you're, lamb you're like, shoulder? Just the steak. I don't know. Like just the steak, no sides. Are there like Answers underneath of people's comments? Um, there are people, well, there's edit. I didn't stiff the waiters. The drinks were a few dollars, so I gave, like, a $12 tip, which I don't think is true. So around 31% tip. I don't remember the exact prices, but I know for a fact more than paid for my stuff, which I don't know if that's true. Hmm. Um, I don't, I didn't. I did not copy and paste the comments into my email. So well, my comment is, if it's all true, where is this nice restaurant where I can get a steak and a couple of drinks for 35 bucks? <laughs> I believe it's Tad Steaks. <laughs> 50 bucks include. I mean, well, I'm going to say that perhaps 
He's not completely the asshole, but there is a touch of asshole in there somewhere. Yeah, a touch. A I'm going to say 72%. Yeah. I mean, not asshole. Stuart went to the butcher to get us steaks the other day, and he didn't have enough cash on him to pay for raw steaks for the two of us, and he had $50 on him. So he ended up getting a different steak, which he had enough money for. But I'm saying, like a $35 steak in a restaurant, where is this? I mean, are there napkins? Are they cloth? <laughs> and caviar. But things, there's also caviar. What kind of caviar? That's American farmed caviar, I'll tell you that. That is not from Russia. Because they mean, are passing it off, the American farm stuff. Don't ask me how I know so much about caviar. <laughs> but I do. I have a guy in L.A. who actually used to work for the nightclub that will not be named. Uh-huh. I ran into him at the Soho house, and he had this giant tin of mm-hmm. pound of caviar. Uh-huh. And I was like, what the hell are you doing with that thing? It's like, well, you know, bro, sometimes I come here and I crack it open with my, my bros, bro, and we just put it on everything. I'm like, where That's a lot of, a pound of caviar. Yeah, that's a lot. And he was like, well, you know, I'm Russian. I got connections. <laughs> so now he's my caviar guy. Oh, nice. Because as an Italian-American from Staten Island, you need a guy? I got a guy. Yeah, you got to get a guy. You need a guy who, to do the thing? Are you from Staten Island? Originally, yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Um, People look at me and they think, that girl's from an island. But they never yeah, think it's Staten, Staten Island. <laughs> That's awesome. I went to Russia for a month when I was a, wa- I was a waitress. and what? I Yeah. I went to St. Petersburg for a month to do this writing program. Ooh. And I found out about it at the last minute. And I went up to my manager. And I was like, I need a month off to go to Russia. Like, can we, <laughs> can we pull this off? And he was like, bring me back caviar. This sounds like an I am, am I the asshole yeah. story. No, <laughs> I was not. He was like, just bring me a tin of caviar. And I knew nothing about caviar. And I brought him like a big tin of caviar. And it was like 40 bucks or something. Yeah. And it was, he really was good. like, this is amazing. Wow. I didn't even have it. Good for you. <laughs> Well, what we've learned is that we both know more about caviar than the average. Person. I mean, I don't know that much. I just know that that tin was like 40 bucks, and my manager was really impressed. Well, if you need caviar, I'll I've let got you a know. guy. I'll let you know. It's one of the good Russians. That's all I do. Um, what else? All right. Do you have anything to promote? No. Um, personally, <laughs> let's no. see. Um, as the uh, president and mm-hmm. also a client of Team Harris, yes. um, I can promote my husband. Uh, Jared Harris has a limited series out on AMC mm-hmm. called The Beast Must Die. Okay. Star- also starring Kush Jumbo, who's an amazing actress. I and like being Kush Jumbo. super lovely about Jared and all of her interviews. Mm-hmm. So that's on AMC Monday nights at 10 p.m. And it's also streaming on AMC Plus. Okay. And also, if you want to watch it in England, it's on BritBox. And then he's got an uh, Apple Plus show premiering on September 24th called Foundation. Okay. Based on the books of Isaac Asimov. Also starring the divine Lee Pace. Nice. And some amazing up-and-coming actors that I think are going to be humongous. So, but you know, Jared in space. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> For me, let's see. What am I promoting? I am promoting uh, washing hands, yes. wearing your mask, yes. and staying the hell away from people if you can. <laughs> That's what I'm promoting. I am promoting a, a, saner, a saner world for us all to live in. I understand. Um, and then I am promoting the opposite, which is come to my bars. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, Minis has a backyard. Minis has a Big backyard that you can't can't tell from the street, but we have a lovely backyard filled with gorgeous plants that my partners 
have been cultivating Very and pretty. they're kind of amazing. And um, obviously- Is that mint? Yes. Sweet. It keeps Mojitos. away- Mojitos. <laughs> Shh, Do don't it. tell people we have mint in the backyard. It keeps away vermin. Is that so? Yeah, mint, we have mint and citronella and it keeps the vermin away, hopefully. We but, haven't seen any vermin. But we're but here. That's what, oh yeah, I mean, we can, <laughs> we can have one. We can have a, moji a mojito. Um, yeah, this is lovely so, back here. So if you guys yeah. are, y'all are in Brooklyn and what they're calling now Sunset Park. Yeah. Come um, to Minnie's, ask for Charlene, tell her Allegra sent you. Because <laughs> <laughs> guess what? I know the owner. Yeah, well, Yay. on that note, this has been I Know the Owner. I'm Charlene Wellington. I'm Allegra Reggio. And thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I know the owner. I know the owner.